Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 19th of June, 2023. Juneteenth, if you celebrate Juneteenth. It is a holiday, whether you celebrate it or not. Hope you're having a good one. Hope you get to do something exciting. All right, uh, as far as the contest goes, I'm going to stretch it out another week because of the Father's Day holiday and the weekend, and it's my birthday week, and I get to do what I want. So... Go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com to check out and still enter. Also, programming note, this coming Saturday, I will be on WMAL Live, at least I'm scheduled to be, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday. It's my own show, not not a regular thing, just a an occasional Saturday thing. So if you're sitting there going, God, I really want to hear Derek's voice live. There's your chance. You want to call in and say something. There's your chance. You'll get it Saturday. And I'll remind you before then. All right. Going to probably be a short show. I always say that and then I end up going long. But we shall see. Just kind of woke up. I took a nap. And I'm just feeling kind of... I, I hate naps. I take, I take naps sometimes because you're just tired and you fall asleep. Or you're just laying down and you fall asleep. But I always feel crummy after a nap. Not sick, just crummy. I feel like, like that wasn't worth it. That was a mistake. But then I still take naps. So still trying to shake off the... Anyway, this is a, an interesting week for news ahead. And it's an interesting time for Democrats. They're really trying to come to terms with the idea of Joe Biden as president. I've never seen any politician, any party, be re- rejecting a politician... That quite frankly is successful. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. It's he's got scandal attached to him, but the, to the extent that the scandal is attached to him, it is attached to him in a way that the media is ignoring. They could not care less about. They don't. They don't investigate it. If Joe Biden, if if uh, Republicans in Congress uncovered a giant pile of bank records and videos of Joe Biden taking bribes. I'm not sure it would matter to Democrats. They're that far gone. It's sad. So it's weird to see Democrats, because I would think normally this is Democrats being nervous. I kind of wish somebody else were running, kind of wish somebody else were running. But they're not nervous. They don't give a damn. They don't, you can't sour them on Joe Biden from the corruption angle. The only thing is you can sour them on he's senile. He's going to make a fool of himself. And that angle they're afraid of, which they really shouldn't be, honestly. They should be excited to have him in office because so many of their policies are going sideways that they can say, see, it's not the policies. It was that senile old dude. (laughs) Just kind of funny. But this from the UK Daily Mail. A new poll for DailyMail.com lays bare the challenge facing President Joe Biden as he runs for re-election. Almost half of Democrats believe he is too old for the job, and 52% of all voters believe they are worse off since he became president. 
Republicans have used both as attack lines in their campaigns to unseat Biden. The president has always been gaff-prone, but now any botched comment is seized on as evidence that the 80-year-old is no longer fit for office. No, well, the problem is that there's, it's not like occasionally, once a week he has a little boner there. No, it is he screws up constantly. It is he screws up constantly and seemingly sometimes when he gets through the game when he gets through the event he's shuffling on stage as though he doesn't know where the hell he's supposed to go do i go this way am i going off that way i'm not really sure where am i what's going on how many times have you seen video of a staffer running up to joe biden kind of helping him off stage and helping him realize Maybe not where he is. I don't know if you can help somebody realize where they are, but helping go, all right, well, this is what you've got to do next. And did you see, it's a little late, it happened uh, last week, Thursday evening, but Joe Biden getting some side boob from Eva Longoria? Eva Longoria's got some movie. It turns out the whole movie's a fraud. She was making, Eva Longoria was in Desperate Housewives. That's why anybody knows who she is. She has gone on to become a uh, left-wing activist expressly for uh, Hispanic causes. What she left-wing Hispanic causes, I should say. If you're a conservative Hispanic person, she doesn't want anything to do with you. But she uh, she's good to go on the left-wing causes. And she made a movie about the creation of the Flaming Hot Cheetos because it was apparently a story going around that some guy who was janitor came had actually come up with the... It's a great story, Flaming Hot Cheetos, and now he went on to become an executive and made a fortune because he created Flaming Hot Cheetos. But it turns out it wasn't at all true. It was just a lie. And people bought the lie, but they made the movie. The Cheetos came out and said, not... Nah, not really the case. This guy didn't have anything to do with it. And uh, the movie was already made. So they've got, this is a problem. You want to talk about mis and disinformation. This story is now out there. This movie is now made. And sadly, if a movie is made about it, that's how a lot of people get their history. That's how a lot of people get their God, we're such a stupid society. But she was at the White House premiering this movie. Because why? Because she's a Democrat in good standing She's got a movie. She wants to make a bunch of money. Free publicity. You have a screening at the White House. Get you free publicity. Especially, you know, when you've got a fabulist movie. You go to the fabulist president and say, let's, you're into lies. Here's a lie. Let's show it. Well, anyway, Eva Longoria is up there and Joe Biden is introducing her saying he's known her a long time. She comes out. Oh, everybody's clapping. She's a good looking woman. Joe gives her, look, there are certain ways to hug a woman, not your wife, right, that you're not dating. There just are. You put your hands in certain, you don't put your hands near the butt. You don't put your hands near the boobs. You don't put your hands in a position where you're, you you just kind of put them on the shoulders, right? Maybe a little bit on the hips like you're slow dancing if that's it. But you put them on the hips, you put them on the hips and you do that lean in that uh, we're going to get within a foot of each other and then we're going to go to like, 35 degrees and lean in and fake kiss. Joe kind of grabbed her like he's going to grind her. And then he pulls back and parks his hands right on the side of her boobs. 
way too high to be appropriate or way too low to be appropriate, wherever it is. If they were, if they were on uh, her shoulders, it'd be fine. If they were on the outside of her arms, it would be on her triceps and biceps. They'd be fine. They weren't. They're parked on her boobs. She immediately, she's a veteran of Hollywood. Hollywood is where Me Too was invented. She immediately grabs his hands up from the bottom and pulls them off of her. She recognizes what's going on. This ain't her first groping party. But she can't say anything. She can't do anything. Her reaction is, if it were a normal person, or if it were not at a fundraiser, or not at a an event where she would embarrass the Democrat, or not at an event where her movie was being shown, she would have removed the hands and a slap would have followed. The slap was not to follow. And Joe just kind of was set off on his way with his little perverted grab. It's not even just a brush. He cups her boobs. Jill's right there. She doesn't care. They got together having an affair on her first husband. Do you really think she's uptight? You think Joe's probably going, oh. That Longoria chick, she was so uptight. All I did was cop a little bit of side boob. And next thing you know, she's like squeezing my wrists like I did something wrong. She knows who I am. They know who Joe is. He does that right in front of them. Democrats know who Joe is. And more and more, at least the Democratic power structure know who Joe is. The average everyday Democrat is learning more and more who he is, and they don't like it. Back to... The poll, after, uh, pres- and after presiding over gas price spikes and a year of rampant inflation, Republicans believe they can beat him on pocketbook issues. A new Daily Mail LG- JL Partners poll shows how Biden is vulnerable on both issues. So here are the things. Do you think Joe Biden is too old to be president or about the right age? Of all Americans... 14% think he's the right age. 14%, 15% don't know. They're off having dinner. Who knows what they're doing? 15% of the public goes, I, I don't know what's going on. Where am I? How did I answer this strange talking box? 71% say he's too old. This is the whole thing. 7 in 10. Men, 14% say just about the right age. 13% say don't know. Out to lunch, 73% say too old. Women's, 14%, again, across the board. 17% are having their makeup done. 69% say they're too old. Amongst young people, this is where Democrats are pinning their hopes. Joe Biden is at 16% saying he's the right age. 11% don't know. How sad is that, that between 18 to 29-year-olds, more of them are able to formulate an opinion than than really any other age group, with 73% saying that he's too old. Now, you go to the older population, 65 plus. According to this poll, 19%. A lot of reflection in this. Like, I could... I'm still good. A lot of denialism. I can still run. I can still this. 19% say he's at the right age. Joe Biden. They also thought that he's a whippersnapper. He's a young whippersnapper. 16% out to lunch, getting the early bird blue plate special. And 65% say he's too old. Now, white people, it's 12% think he's right age. 
Hispanics, 15% think he's the right age. The only group he's doing well with, there are two groups he's doing well with. Blacks at 26%, which is incredibly low, but still by far one of the, the, one of the better ones. Actually, it's, only, it's better second only to Democrats, 28% of Democrats. But 25% of blacks are like, nah, I don't know. And 49% think he's too old. College graduates, 13, or 16% think he's too old. Non-college graduates, 13%. I think he's the right age. 13% think he's the right age of non-college graduates. It is, there's 1% of Republicans out there who think he's about the right age. Only 13% of independents. 13% of independents and 28% of Democrats. But fully 49% say he's too old. That is a damning poll. Now, I will temper it by saying don't get too excited about polls. Polls are a snapshot of one particular set of people's opinions at that given moment and nothing else. And it doesn't necessarily translate overall. There is, If you show me a pattern over time, then you can start to glean things from it. But one poll in particular doesn't really matter. But... If Republicans are able to learn from this and able to capitalize it, they can use it to their advantage. Not just Republicans running for president. It's a Democrat president. The, this question is the one that should have more Democrats worried. Should make Republicans cautiously optimistic, but I don't like being cautiously optimistic. I'd much rather see them... Um, you should always play like you're 10 points behind till the game is over, no matter what the score is. Otherwise, there's a good chance you'll lose. But the question here, do you feel better or worse than you did when Joe Biden became president on January 2021? 20, this is a problem. All Americans say, the uh, of, of all Americans, 19% say they're doing a lot better. And 18% say they're doing a little bit better. All right? So 19 plus 18 equals 37%. Only 37% of Americans say they're doing better in any way, shape, or form. 10% say there's no difference whatsoever. And 52% say they're doing worse. And if you're adding up things at home, there's 1% who has no idea what's going on and stop doing math at home. With men and women, the numbers, women are actually, think they're doing so much better than men, which is weird because weren't we told that women are oppressed once the Dobbs decision came down, once Roe was overturned? Women were oppressed. Women are victims. Women are this. Women are that. Women have it so bad. And that's kind of what Democrats ran on in the midterms. But women, 21% say that they're doing a lot better. And... uh, 18% say they're doing a little bit better for a total of 39%. That leaves the rest. And all these pretty much have 1% or 2% of people who are checked out. They don't don't remember two years ago. But the rest say, nope, they're doing a bit worse or a lot worse. Republican numbers are obviously skewed against the president. Democratic numbers are obviously skewed in favor of the president. It's weird. And this tells you how screwed they are in independence because with Democrats mucking up the numbers, 41% say they are a lot better off than they were 
before, and 31% say they are a little better off. So 72% of Democrats somehow believe they're doing better than they were in January of 2021. How? I have no earthly clue. How do you, only 7% say they're doing a lot worse and 4% say they're doing a bit worse for a total of 11%. Are that many Democrats on the public dole or on the public payroll? Are they being bribed? How do you do that? How is the Democrat, this should worry Democrats because this demonstrates a massive disconnect between members of their party and everybody else, even black voters. 46% say they're doing somewhat or a lot better. The rest, minus 1%, are saying they're doing worse to one degree or another. But somehow Democrats overwhelmingly, boom, yeah, we're we're killing it. We're killing it. Independence, 14% say they're doing great, and 19% say they're doing pretty good. 33%, only 33%. 11% say there's no difference whatsoever. 1% were checked out to lunch. 41% say they're doing a lot worse. And 14% say they're doing a bit worse. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you can't win re-election with those numbers. You can. Whoever the Republican is, whoever the Republican nominee is, is going to have to deal with the reality that they are going to be painted as Hitler. We've seen it with Trump. We're seeing it with DeSantis. We will see it with Tim Scott. We will see it with Nikki Haley. We will see it with everybody and everybody under the sun. Whoever it is that emerges from the Republican primary will be painted as Hitler. And people, if they believe it, especially if it's just a really god-awful candidate or they run a horrible campaign and Democrats stay on message with a lot of discipline... It's going to be very tough, very tough to overcome that because you've got the entirety of pop culture and the media going after you already. So I'm just saying, don't get cocky. Never spike the football on the five-yard line. Be ready for anything. And uh, it's out there. It's winnable. It's very winnable. But you got to be smart about it. Just existing, just being the alternative to the unpopular guy is not going to be enough. It's never been enough for the Republicans. Barack Obama wasn't all that popular in 2012, if you remember. But Mitt Romney's campaign of, hey, I'm not him, while true, was disinteresting to voters. Also in this poll, by the way, it's... um, It's very interesting what they found about the transgender issue because it seems of late the Trump campaign is trying to define itself differently from the DeSantis campaign in any way, shape, or form, like by praising Andrew Cuomo as governor of New York. Oh, he did a great job. Or what is it? Chris Cuomo. No, it's Andrew Cuomo. Did a great job. He did a better job than, uh, than Florida, which is... Just stupid, beyond stupid, but they're trying. And they're also attacking DeSantis for engaging in the culture wars, they say. Oh, the culture wars. Those culture wars are not insignificant. They are not unimportant. 
if you uh, look, I get it. It was a different time. Donald Trump was a businessman. He was running his pageants. He allowed for transgender people to compete in those pageants. I don't really care. He said that he would let Bruce Jenner use whatever bathroom he wanted to at Trump Tower. He's totally cool with it. It's fine. I don't care on a personal level. But you better damn well be willing to fight like hell when it comes to kids. You better damn well be willing to fight like hell when it comes to kids. And he's been critical of DeSantis when it comes to kids. And now you look at this poll, same polling number. Six in ten say gender and trans ideology has gone too far, including six in ten independents and half, half of 18 and 29-year-olds. This should also be a little bit of concern to Democrats. But it's very interesting. Do you feel like the promotion of trans or gender ideology in America has gone too far? 16%. About right, 17%. Don't know. Again, check. Who are these people? 18, 8%. And uh, gone, or sorry, and gone too far is 59%. 16% say it's not far enough. Sorry. Four percentage points more women think it has not gone far enough than men. 18% think it's not gone far enough compared to 14% of men. I don't know who the hell these women are, but still majorities of both 65% of men and 54% of women say it has gone too far. This is where Republicans would have an opening both with Hispanic voters and with black voters, even though they seem to love Joe Biden. You got to remember, this is the same poll. So these are the same people. White people say, uh, 17% say it has not gone far enough. Because why? Because white liberals are really just a canker sore on, on culture. They really, truly are. They're just scared. To, they just w- don't want to judge anything, and they just want to... I don't, I don't know how to explain them. I don't know how to explain them. It's just sad. But 17% of whitey says, uh, it's not gone far enough. Give me more uh, strippers grinding, uh, male uh, tranny strippers grinding on boys. More, please. 17% say that it's about right. Yeah, no, it's totally good. So that's 34% to the left. 7% are confused at what's going on. They just woke up and came out from underneath a rock. And 59% say it's gone too far. As far as Hispanic voters go, 15% would like more. It's not enough. 15% say it's about right for 30 to the positive. 7% are having a siesta. And 64%, even more than stupid whitey, are saying, hey, uh, we don't really think this. You've gone too far. Now, with the black vote, 11%, only 11% say, yeah, no, it hasn't gone far enough. What we really need is more of this. And this is black parents saying, you know what? The schools suck. How about you focus on teaching people how to read and write and worry less about which genitals they're going to grind against during their story time hour? How about we focus on what's important? 15% think it's about right. 14% weren't in town that month. I don't know how you get to 14% of people not having an idea. But 59% say that it's gone too far. These cultural matters matter. And remember what I said. It doesn't matter on individual issues if they agree. They go down a checklist and agree with a candidate, agree with a candidate, agree with a candidate. If they disagree with a candidate on the issues that matter to them, the ones that move their votes, it doesn't matter if you agree on everything else. It's the one that moves their votes. 
you can make the one that moves or votes for a lot of people this gender ideology stuff. If you're smart about it, if you sound like a raving lunatic and it's all you ever talk about, it won't work out. But you can make it, highlight it, and there will be other people who will, you know, agree, disagree, indifferent towards economics or whatever, but will eventually go, you know what, and then there's the... There's, I don't, either one of them is going to be terrible on the economy or the same on the economy, but one of them, only one of them, is calling for the butchering of children, and I don't like that. So I'm going to go with the other one. That's the opening for Republicans if they're smart about it. The uh, other group of uh, people, well, Democrats, of course, are totally cool. 32% don't think that uh, the gender promotion has gone far enough of Democrats. Another 32% for a total of 64% think it's just about right. So a majority of Democrats are like, yeah, gangbusters. This is awesome. 11% were checked out and 25% think it's gone too far. Some of those Democrats are gettable. Independence, it's reversed. 14% say more. 14% say just right, 62% say too much. But the real Republicans, or not Republicans, the Democrat position is bolstered by people ages 45 to 64, men, oddly enough. Well, no, 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 this is saying it's gone too far. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Surprisingly, oh, no, 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 okay, here we go. When it comes to education, the more educated someone is, the more likely they are to be a left-winger, which is odd, because the more educated you are, the more open to learning something new you would think you would be. You'd learn so much in your life. But no, what it really translates to is you've gotten more extra years of indoctrination. Serious. Look, junior elementary school, junior high high school. Those are indoctrination factories, no doubt about it. But the real intense officer training school, the academy of indoctrination is at the university level. It is serious and it doesn't stop. And so when you look at non-graduates, non-college graduates, 15% say it's gone too far, but uh, or it hasn't gone far enough. 19% of people who've graduated college say it hasn't gone far enough. It's just about right. Non-college graduates, only 13% think that's about the way it is. 23%, fully 10 percentage points more, say we've got just about the right amount of gender indoctrination going on in schools. In both cases, 8% are having a ham sandwich somewhere. But the people who think it's gone too far are 64% of non-college graduates and 51% of college graduates. That is a rather large disconnect betwixt the two. Is it not 13 percentage points fewer college graduates? For Democrats, you think, well, we get the educated people. We are get the sophisticated people. However, they are very few in number. A very small percentage of the American public actually goes to college and graduates. The fewer, you know, obviously graduate than go to college. That's a big, important difference. Democrats are performing well in the numbers that matter the least. In the, they swim quite well in the pool that is the shallowest. 
eventually that in theory would have to catch up to them. But don't ever underestimate the ability of Democrats to screw things, or the ability of Republicans, I should say, sorry, to screw things up because they excel at that. They are incredibly gifted at screwing things up. And so before we end today, I want to show you what that looks like. John Fetterman. That big chunk of I-95 up near Philadelphia collapsed a couple of weeks ago. Tanker truck underneath it caught on fire, blew up, melted the road. A piece of the road collapsed. Who knows how long it will take to fix it. Somehow Florida was able to rebuild a bridge to a secluded island chain in three days. It's going to be three weeks before we even get, I imagine, an estimate of when we might see this chunk of I-95 fixed. That leads to problems traveling, driving up and down the eastern seaboard. But you got a state run by Democrats, so, you know, what are you going to do? The grifters are going to grift, and the unions are going to get their money, and eventually people might get their road. Well, there was a press conference up there. I think it was Saturday. Actually, before we get to that, there was a hearing up on Capitol Hill last week in the United States Senate. I think it was Tom Carper gave whoever it was the democrat chairman of the committee gave john fetterman an opportunity to talk about it. this is obviously it just happened and it was um top of mind as karen jean pierre might say and so they uh he ceded some time to john fetterman to make a statement about this it happens all if something happens in a state they cede time because they're all very timed and like hey everybody gets 15 minutes period but on special occasions the gentlemen's club gentlemen not meaning men but meaning sophisticated they will allow other people to you can have some free time to talk about some tragedy that happened in your state raise awareness whatever he cedes time to john fetterman and this is what you get earlier today some uh, com- some comments about uh, the uh, tragic uh, accident in uh, 995 and if you want to make any comments with respect to that feel feel free you're recognized uh, no i i i uh, would, would, would just um, really like to you know the 95 95 95 you know um, you know, obviously that, you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with, with 95 and I know I certainly am too. And we know it's a major, uh, eatery, not just for, for Pennsylvania, but for the East, the East coast. And a lot of Pennsylvanians are worried that the delays and repairs bring to its standstill deal. What? Now you're preoccupied with 95. Okay, well, the other guy isn't from isn't the senator from Pennsylvania. He's ceding time to you because this thing happened in your state. It's impacting news where your constituents are. You might want to take a moment to talk about it. Instead, you go, you're preoccupied with, and that's not what he meant. He doesn't know what the hell he's saying, but it's really bizarre. You're preoccupied. Hey, there was a a tragic tornado in your state. Why don't you talk about it? Well, you're obsessed with this tornado thing. You're preoccupied with this tornado thing, and so am I. And so am I. Huh? What? It got worse. At least he was wearing a suit at that hearing. And he was the anchor, I guess you could say, and you can take that however you want, at a press conference up 
in Philadelphia about this thing. He was the lead dog. The governor was there. The president was there. And Fetterman is going around introducing people. And he's trying to introduce the president of the United States. And this, this is what came out of John Fetterman. These are words presumably written down for him. Now, I thought that the, what, what we had explained to us as a country was you can't make fun of John Fetterman because you're mean and you're making fun of the disabled. But we're not making fun of the disabled. We're pointing out how he is incapable of doing his job and he should resign. But that's beside the point. We were told, we were assured, and we were lied to by Democrats, his handlers, his campaign, that he, first of all, he was fine. They said, oh, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. He was not fine. Then we were told that his only problem is it's a, compre- it's a hearing comprehension problem. He hears the words, but his brain processes them in a different way, in a jumbled way. So if he can read them, He's fine, right? That's why he walks around with somebody holding a a teleprompter, essentially, that is a live transcription program of what somebody is saying to him. So he doesn't look at the person talking to him. He looks at the words on the screen and reads along, and we're told, then he's perfectly fine. He understands exactly what's going on. Well, this, what you're about to hear, is not John Fetterman answering a question. This is John Fetterman presumably reading, or speaking off the cuff. Either way, both of those things were not on the list of things we were told were problematic for him. What we were told was problematic for him was being able to process hearing things. That was it. That's all we are told was the problem. He's either reading, probably, he's probably reading, but I'll give him the possibility that he's off the cuff. Either way, the problem is a lot different and a lot bigger then Team Fetterman and the Democrats will admit. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across America getting rebuilt. What the hell? I remind you that Republicans lost to this man in this state. If anything, with more time having passed, I'd imagine he has improved. So they lost to a man who was worse than what you just heard can't be by a whole lot but they lost to him and they did lose by a whole lot and democrats will insist that he's there's nothing wrong with him. joe biden loves it joe biden's sitting there staring at him kind of confused and going i love this guy i want this guy near me all the time he wants to replace kamala harris with him because john fetterman makes joe biden seem smart and articulate it's astonishing to sit there and watch this press it's sad to sit there and watch this and no that because Democrats were so desperate to win, someone, a bunch of someones, pressured John Fetterman to forego rehabilitation in order to continue to campaign for the United States Senate. 
and did seemingly irreversible damage. Irreversible. You could say, well, what do you mean? He spent six weeks in the hospital after he was sworn in. Six weeks in Walter Reed Hospital. Well, that was for depression. That's what they tell you it was for. But even if it were for depression while you're in the hospital for six weeks when the average stay for depression is about two, when you're there for six weeks and you have a senator's health insurance and the availability of medical personnel from the entirety of the military, everything at your disposal, you get rehabilitation done. He was trying to make up for lost time. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That would mean that it was pretty intensive. Inpatient, six weeks. While they're also treating him for depression, they can simultaneously multi-track him for the stroke damage. And it doesn't seem like any progress was made. It doesn't seem like any progress was made. How these Democrats live with themselves, how they can live, I don't know. I do not know. I'll never understand. All they can do is say, you can't talk about John Fetterman. Don't make fun of John. Nobody's making fun of John Fetterman. Look, if you laugh, it's because it's an uncomfortable laugh. And also, so what? Honestly, these Democrats chose this. If John Fetterman is fine, then John Fetterman is fine, and you can make as much fun of him as you want. If John Fetterman isn't fine and you're not allowed to make fun of him, then why is it that Democrats lied to us about him being fine? Ask those questions. Because the people who did this, who were involved in this, up to and including him and his wife, I mean, his wife should have been trying to talk him out of it. And if your wife's trying to talk you out of something, and you still say, go ahead, damn the torpedoes full steam ahead, you're, your marriage isn't going to, especially something this big, your marriage is not going to be lasting all that long. It just won't be. It's disturbing. One last clip, and it's sad, too. One last clip just to illustrate the absurdity and the damage done here. This is Fetterman introducing Congressman Brendan Boyle. John Fetterman knows who Brendan Boyle is. John Fetterman cannot say Brendan Boyle, and you can listen to the crowd. Listen to this. I don't even know if you can call it. It's like one guy, probably a Fetterman staffer, kind of clapping as Fetterman butchers the name of Brendan Boyle, both of them, both first and last name, butchers the name and then gets a, the Congress. It's so bad that the congressman had to come up and introduce himself again and say who his name was. If you introduce somebody, you say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Paul McCartney. Hey, he doesn't come out. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Paul McCartney. No, we, well, we just we know who you are, but we also just heard you being introduced. But Brendan Boyle's name was so butchered by John Fetterman that he had to go out there in case people at watching the press conference had no idea who he was. And you got one guy out there going, golf club, going, uh, yay, right? Yay? Listen to this. It's a pleasure to be here and to introduce my, my friend, Congressman Boyle Bile. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm uh, Congressman Brendan Boyle. Uh, Congressman Boyle Bile. Boyle Bile? Boyle Bile? Do you boil your bile? Or do you... I'm not trying to make... I'm trying not to make fun of him. But you almost can't help but make fun of Fetterman. Because if you can't laugh at the situation, you have to be 
even more depressed than the situation really is. The situation is wildly depressing. Somebody needs to get to this man. Now, he doesn't have to resign. If he's not going to resign the Senate, he's not going to resign the Senate. He's won the Senate seat. He can stay there as long as he wants. Diane Feinstein is still in there. There have been senators in comas. There have been senators incapacitated for long stretches of time, etc., etc. But what John Fetterman has to do, if for his own good, at some point, for his own good, he's got to say, I need to take a leave of absence. I need to do intensive rehabilitation, whether it's six weeks or six months or whatever it is. Democrats will still control the Senate. It'll be 50-50. Kamala Harris, will they'll still have a one-vote majority, 50 to 49. It'll screw up the committee assignments. It'll make some things a little bit more difficult, but it's not all that easy to begin with. Democrats don't even want the prospect of mild negotiations in the Senate with Republicans. They're not open to the concept. And because they aren't, they're still sitting there willing to let John Fetterman suffer. To let John Fetterman never recover from his stroke. Because the longer he, I don't even know at this point if it's possible for him to recover. But I do know that the longer he waits, the less possible it becomes. That window shuts. And so something has to give. Something dramatic has to give. In his case... But look at his case and remember, look, Dr. Oz was a, a smart guy. He was an articulate guy. He was an accomplished guy. The Democrats were able to demonize him to the point that he became unelectable in Pennsylvania against John Fetterman. They can do that again on a national scale for whoever the Republican nominee is if the Republican nominee and the Republican Party are not smart about how they run their race. Scary proposition. The best candidate doesn't always win. More often than not, the worst candidate who ran the better campaign wins or who is liked more. You can be a great candidate who just is rubbing people the wrong way and it doesn't work. I think we're exposing Joe Biden for the corrupt guy he is, but the majority of the American people are still not going to know about the bribes from Ukraine and the millions of dollars and where it goes, because the media is not going to cover it. As much as Republicans talk about it, they're going to reach the fringes of the undecided independent voters who don't pay attention to the news. They need to get on the air now. They need to be on the air yesterday. They need to be on the air with honest, irrefutable, 30-second sound bites educating the American public about this man and this party and what they're doing. Instead of bombast which is great for fundraising but it won't stand up to even some left-wing hacks hacky fact check and then the left will just hang their hat on that it was a lie it was a lie daniel dale over at cnn says it was a lie no you've got to just convey the unvarnished truth without spin the truth is bad enough you don't need to spin it you don't need to hype it you don't need to do anything except say here it is you do that now, since it's going to take months for it to catch on, and you improve your chances of winning exponentially, but Republicans aren't smart enough to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, at least I don't think they are. I hope to God they are. They should listen to this podcast. They should call me. Hire me. I'll get you guys on the right path because everybody available for campaigns right now is 
probably lost a campaign before. I never lost a campaign I ran because I never, well, I ran one campaign for Wayne County Treasurer. I guess I lost that one. But that was more of a joke campaign. Strategy and thinking strategically, thinking intelligently. Republicans desperately, desperately need that. Anyway, that's about enough for today, isn't it? That's depressing. That's sad, isn't it? But it's a warning shot. Every once in a while, you got to fire a warning shot. you got to let people know. It can't all be gits and shiggles. It can't all be fun. It can't all be games. It can't be this is wonderful. And it's unicorns and rainbows because unicorns and rainbows, you can see them right up to the finish line and then you lose. That's what happened in 2022. People telling you Republicans are going to win. Republicans are going to win that bread complacency. And we lost. Barely won the House. We should have won the Senate. It was terrible. It was a self-inflicted wound. It was bad campaigning. It was arrogant campaigning. It was spiking the football on the five-yard line. Play like you're 10 points down all the time until the clock strikes zero, period. It's the only way to win, to guarantee win. And then you got it started all over again. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Check out the Curse Program. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Support the show. If you want, let me uh, give a shout out to my buddy Eric. Everybody, hopefully, I talked to Eric yesterday. He is uh, an amazing daughter out there who damn well better be uh, continue to be a good kid. That was the deal we struck, Laura. Yes, I'm talking to both of you, mostly to Laura, because, you know, you owe me. That was my price. Be a good daughter. Everybody out there, be a good daughter, be a good son. Um, I know it's not Father's Day anymore, but if your father and or mother are still around, find an excuse to call them today. Five minutes, whatever it is. Find an excuse to call them every day or almost every other day or whatever it is because you'll miss it when it's gone, and they'll love it even if they complain about it. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Thanks for listening.